Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com. That's G-E-T-G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash holy backboard. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 98th edition of the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in rainy Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling. And I, I think, honestly, I've been looking at the weather uh, app on my phone. I think it is snowy, snowy Southern Oregon. I, I got to talk about. I got. I got to start Sage's 2K corner right. Right now, man, it is either the best part of the podcast or the part everyone skips over. And I'm, you know, I've been trying to get on uh, eligible to try out for the uh, 2K uh, Blazers team. So that that's one thing I've been doing. But there's this gentleman who uh, I did a few runs in 2K uh, with that dude who sent me that emotional ass. Uh, Message we all enjoyed uh, a week ago. And I noticed that he was actually decent. He just happened to be 600 negative in 2K. So he had played 800 games, only won 200, and lost 600. And so he he, he tries to join like parks and stuff I'm at with my boys. And then one day we gave him a shot. And he got to experience what winning basketball is like. And now... Every time I log on Xbox Live, this dude sends me a shitload of messages about trying to trying to play 2K, trying to run. And he ain't good enough to uh, be on my friends list that much longer. So I wanted to talk about the summer camp players, the people that aren't going to be part of your crew. They're just here for the summer. And once they annoy you, they're gone. So that that gentleman in particular, he is a summer camp he will always be a summer camp. He will never be part of the crew. That is Sage's 2K Corner and back to actual basketball that people other than the Xbox fans that listen to the show will actually enjoy. I like, you know, it's, it's too late for me to really know what the correct term is, whether it was a metaphor or an analogy, but whatever the fuck it was. I, I really liked how you put those two together because it really drew me in because now I'm like, okay, this... Probably just there for the ten day contract. Maybe he's paying his own way to try out. Um, yeah, he definitely isn't going to be a Jonathan Simmons that impresses the that impresses us to like, you know, join the actual team. He's like, man, he isn't even shoot. He's like Pierre Jackson right before he got hurt, and everybody said he's going to be great, but then you watch him and you realize. He's trash. So he's like the Pierre Jackson of 2K, except his his record is so so awful that I gave him shit the entire time we played, which was for like a few hours. He experienced like winning at a 90% clip. But yes, yes, summer camp, summer body. He ain't gonna be part of the crew. He he isn't on the squad. He isn't on he isn't on the steel reserves. Before we jump into this week's action, Sage, uh I want your thoughts. The Blazers 
and a bunch of other teams have released their city uniforms. At least it's been leaked via 2K. My favorite, my favorite thing ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I want to know what are your thoughts on the jerseys as a collection? Because I've been waiting to actually talk about the uniforms until we've kind of seen them all. Mm-hmm. And you know the 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 home anyway, pretty minimal changes. The statement jerseys, I think, are like cilantro. Either you love them or you hate them. And the city jerseys. They still say Rip City, but this is probably, I think, the most drastic change. Gone is the the white jersey with the the striping down the side with that beautiful Rip City wordmark in the red and the black. Big and bold and up front. And instead... It is a black jersey with a a gray, almost plaid Mm -hmm. design, and it is like the statement where it's almost exclusively two colors. The statement is a red with a black, black lettering. This is a black jersey with almost exclusively red lettering and numbering, and there is, there's, there's an absence of white, and... Looking at the jersey, I, I don't mind it. I think it's a good risk to go ahead and maybe try something with the plaid, but can we just wait until there's like a fifth jersey to do something like that? Because the Rip City jerseys, and I'm not talking about the sleeve ones, the OG Rip City jerseys, those were slick as hell, and the fans love them. I just, I don't know why they're, and this is a Nike thing in general, because I'm seeing a lot of jerseys from Nike that they're releasing that I'm, I'm scratching my head and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? But I want to know what are your thoughts on the jerseys? I I mean, the stuff that leaked is really bad quality photo of it. Like I saw some like leaked, some like 2K centric leaks of it. And it's not as like dramatic as I thought it would be. I thought I find it okay. Like normally, I have three opinion, like th- three directions of how I enjoy like jerseys and stuff. Hate it, love it, indifferent. I'm indifferent about it. The one jersey that I like that is the, the about the town is actually the Memphis Grizzlies one, where it's like representing a th- part of history that has happened in Memphis. I fuck with that, and I really enjoy like the message that that one has, the plaid and the rib city. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel that connection that I do with like the Minnesota one, or the the Memphis one. Like I, I get the the New Orleans. One. I don't like it, but I get like the reason it's there. I I don't. I don't find that the statement of like what the jersey is about is as meaningful as like the Memphis one. Even though Doctor Jack wore plaid. Oh, you did well. You made me uh, rethink some stuff, but I don't know, like. I just think it would have been cooler on an additional jersey. They had something that everyone loved. It was one of those things where if it wasn't broke, I don't think it needed to be fixed. But if we're looking at jerseys that make you kind of double take, the, there's there's a couple. But the, the one is the Utah Jazz Gradient that is orange and yellow. And in the entire existence of the, the Jazz franchise, orange is, is not a color. Mm. What, Isn't it purple is, and goldish? Yeah, what are they doing? I mean, I've seen some really shitty Nike jerseys. And the, the Mardi Gras Pelicans ones, you've got lettering that goes down to the crotch, essentially. Yeah, the numbers is fucked up. I don't fuck with the numbers at all. It's I've just been 
extremely underwhelmed by the Nike rollout. I know a lot of people are either Nike or Adidas. I'm indifferent. I go with whatever I, I think. What, what you product. fuck with. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's Adidas. Sometimes it's Nike. Sometimes it's it's Converse. Sometimes it, it's, it's whatever. Like, I'm not going to, you know, just, just ride a brand because that's the brand. Um, you got to put out quality shit. But I think in general, I've been really underwhelmed with Nike. And I've noticed that they have really jacked up the prices. If you go into the fan shop or look online, just even your basic cotton t-shirt, the minimum price is like $40, $45. And I just think you're pricing your average consumer out of the market. If the goal is to get people to wear your product and kind of rep the, the team and the brand, the average fan is not going to be able to spend $40 on just a cotton t-shirt. Yeah, I'll, I'll spend forty dollars on a cotton T-shirt, but it's going to be a vintage like nineteen ninety one playoff shirt that are super hard to find, not one that's mass produced. But just wanted to throw that out there since we we will see this jersey probably be rolled out. Um, what are your thoughts on that red statement jersey? I know a lot of people. I think that's the divisive one amongst the fan base, and I think it's even more divisive since Portland went zero and four in that jersey after having. They had major problems last year in those red kits as well. So what do you think about those ones, Sage? Again, I'm a little indifferent to it. I don't like the the black and gray. Uh, the tire? There we go. I didn't want to say the tire just because I'm trying to keep, you know, some sort of... I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I know Dion said you got to look good to play good, but all I care about is the, the team. I, you know, they can... They they can play in whatever. I'll, I'll watch regardless. But w- the one thing I have noticed with the jerseys is, man, they're getting ripped really easily. Like the back, oh, terrible quality. Like this, they like they're getting ripped by the seam and shit. But how do you, how do you feel about the red jerseys? I am. I'm also in. in uh, there's times I'm like, oh, this could be really cool. And again, I'm just pulled in by that awful sash that 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 just tire marks that that look mm. like they're coming right down i don't like that they excluded white from the color palette i mean red black and white that is the core brand of the trailblazers and, and i get the concept and it's it's cool in theory but it just looks like it's not fully complete it looks like it's it's missing like it's almost in in beta testing and it's not fully fully complete like you know when you load a web page and just stops like it feels like we're at like 90 percent, and there's things they could have done to brought it brought it closer so it seeing some of the other jerseys it could be a lot worse but i thought the red jerseys we had before were were pretty nice and actually in general i just bought a cladrex or mitchell and s red jersey because it was 40 percent off that to me is just the classic vintage you got the red black and white sash the the awesome you know seventies lettering the original. I'm a traditionalist, so I wish we would have went back to something like that. But uh, I digress. So this do you th- do you think any of those uh, jerseys that are in the actuality are better than Brian Bagley's designs? That's uh, I can't believe you said that because I'm actually looking at his designs. He's the man. Right Yo, he, he is he's super cool. You guys should all follow. I am Brian Bagley. And I actually want to get him on an episode because looking left to right, there's the Rip City, the Portland, and, and the Blazers, the red, black, and white jersey. I love those. Not as crazy about um, his alternate red jersey that says Blazers and then the 
The different tones of black is pretty sweet too, but overall I would take Brian's jerseys in a heartbeat over what we had currently uh, constructed. But he's, safely, real, he's a real master of like lighting of the jerseys. The way he lights them, the way they mm-hmm. look, just look so sleek and so dope. So shout, shout out to him. Before we move on for jerseys, what is your nomination for the jersey that gets gets Cole for the holidays? Like it, it's just it's the Grinch jersey. It was it was naughty this year. Santa is not going to come down the chimney and provide it with any gifts or any praise. Wasn't the Orlando Magic City jersey whack? I don't even remember. You know, with the Galaxy. I don't know, man. Like. I gotta look at them. I, I, you know me. I, I, I don't really give a shit. Uh, I don't like how the Mardi Gras look. I get why they made it, but I don't like how they actually look. See, I don't mind the the magic one. It doesn't look great, but it also just brings me back to the '90s with just how the member berries. Yeah, just how hideously awful it was. So it pulls on the strings there. I think the worst jersey is that lime green Timberwolves. I, I turned the channel to watch them play the Suns, and Olga's watching. It was like. I can't look at the screen. What? I mean, their whole rebranding looks like a fucking blog site. It looks trash. It looks like a, like, relatively, like, an SB Nation branded blog site. It does. It looks all, it's the, the Roundel logo. It looks exactly like, whew, I, I'm too heated up about jerseys this late at night coming off of a couple travel days. I know, um, man. This, uh, worldwide. Portland to Seattle, man. Killing like, it, eh? Six times. Um, <laughs> hey, man, but, you've been on a plane almost as much as me from, you know, Denver to Japan in the last week. Good shit. But scary story. Like, we were flying up Monday morning, and we had arrived in Seattle and heard the news of the Amtrak train derailing. So I was very fortunate that I wasn't driving at the time or taking the train that we did take take the plane. So... You know, all of our, you know, thoughts are with everyone who was, you know, impacted in that accident that could really happen to to anyone. And it's just really, it kind of like puts life against, I guess, like into perspective when you just kind of sit back and think like, this is just every life I'm getting on a train. Like we haven't heard of a train accident in so long. And then it, it happened so close to home, like it spilled onto I-5. I'm certain I've dr- driven over that stretch of I-5 countless times. So just don't take life for granted. No matter what you do, this podcast, you know, your everyday life, going to the grocery store, don't just walking, breathing. Don't take life for granted because it can be ripped away from you just in an instant. It kind of uh, brings up a story that I uh, had today. So I was, uh, It's snowing, so I got like food and stuff for the next few days and there was this lady in front of me like worried and frustrated like and like i, I she was like buying five hundred dollars worth of uh, like itunes shit and target stuff and like it turns out like she was telling me it and it was just like oh this is a total scam ma'am uh I, you don't have like giving some random person in a albertson's parking lot $500 is not going to reset your internet connection, ma'am. And, like, the look on her face when I said that, like, I don't know, man, like, that type of shit, like, it makes me think, like, you know, what if I didn't say anything to that woman? She's, like, $700 in debt right now to some scammer. Wait, so, 
what what was happening? Uh, some woman in front of me in the checkout line for Albertsons was like putting five hundred bucks on an iTunes gift card, and it was for like an internet bill. So someone obviously scammed her, and like an internet. What do you mean an internet bill? Like she was saying her internet was turned off, and someone called and said, "If you give me this money, I can settle all of this." Here's the instructions. Whoa. Wow. So it was just like, you know, what if my mom, you know, didn't have me and it was her doing that? So I was like, I, I was like, you should actually call them right now. This is the. Did you see it happening? Oh, yeah. I was like, I was chilling in line and she was like frazzled and I was listening. I was like, oh, this is a scam. <laughs> so I just approached her as she was paying for it. I was like, what is this? And then she explained it and I was like, all right, yeah, you're you're getting scammed, ma'am. You should actually call Charter. Here, here's the like, you know, I googled it on my phone. Here's the number. So yeah, man, you gotta life, man. Good deed, Sage, coming in clutch. I mean, hey, I I, I I try and be a nice guy, man. Like, I know she was scared of me when I like big dude in the <laughs> in the uh, in the Albertsons wearing sweats. I I mean, I know it was scary, so I tried to approach it as. Calmly and as peacefully as I can, but she was I getting mean, she was a she was getting scammed like a motherfucker. Your first mistake was going to Albertsons. Fuck Albertsons. Well, dog, it's snow. It like you know it's snowing. I'm trying to you know stock up food and shit. Go to the next grocery store. Stock up. Food. <laughs> we're not get, we're, we're not here on the the bash Albertsons podcast. Yes, it's yes, the whole way back for it. <laughs> the Hobbs <laughs> family has been wronged by the Albertsons Corporation. So talk fuck your, t- talk your shit, man. Talk I'm your shit. talking my shit. Yeah, <laughs> you, you let me talk about my two K struggles. <laughs> that's right. Let me <laughs> talk about some real shit. <laughs> let's, let's talk about some real shit. But real talk though, the Blazers. A good road team, uh, sixteen and fourteen overall. Somehow, some way, still fifth in the Western Conference, and nine and six on the road, which is the fifth best road record. The only teams with a better road record are the top two teams in each conference. You got Boston, Cleveland, Houston, and Golden State. So for Portland to be a top five road team, almost through twenty seventeen. It's pretty incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, I know they haven't played the the caliber of teams on the road that you would like to have seen so far, but they did play Golden State tough. They did play Minnesota tough, and they have already played a handful of Eastern Conference teams. But Sage, you feel pretty good about going three and two on the road. I know you got the first road trip of the season correct at four and one. I came back and said three and two and was, you know, spot on. So Did you get the games? Salt. Did you get all the games correct? Every game correct. Good I said shit. We'd w- Good shit. The Good book, shit. Yeah. Bookend, we'd bookend losses, but we'd win those three in the middle. So at nine and six on the road, you've played now 15 games at home, 15 games on the road, just seven and eight at home. What's frustrating is if you just handled your biz mm-hmm. on the home court, you'd easily be looking at the third yeah, seed exactly. by a couple of games on the Spurs. And now, are, what are we, fifth? We're fifth. So, Sage, looking at the Western Conference, you've got Houston, who has won 14 straight. They are 25-4. and four. They're pretty good. You've got, you've got Golden State, who is still continuing to win without Steph, Steph and Draymond. Mm-hmm. They are at 24-6 and, and have won your, nine your straight. Your boy Jordan Bell looks kind of nice. 
he looks like a goddamn beast, but that's one other <laughs> podcast. The Spurs, with Kawhi Leonard out most of the year, are 21-10, and 7-3 and three in their last 10. Portland's next opponent at the Rose Garden. Then you've got just a jumbled madness. Mm-hmm. We've got the Timberwolves, 18-13. and 13. Portland, 16-14. and 14. Denver, 16-14. and 14. Oklahoma City, 15 and 15. All of a sudden, won seven of their last 10. The Pelicans, your Pelicans, 15 and 16 in the eighth spot. And then you've got really only. Then you've got three teams who I think have a legit yeah, shot. Like the at, Jazz. You've got the Jazz at 14 and 17, the Clippers at 11 and 18, and the Lakers at 10 and 18. I would be extremely surprised if the Lakers made that push. Mm. But if we're going strictly off of the loss call. Well, Brooke Lopez is also out. They're only two back. Yeah. Um, and the Clippers, they're they're gonna have to make do without Pat Beverly and Blake Griffin. Um, continues. You just never know when he's gonna stay healthy. Um, they are kind of a mess. Rudy Gobert cannot stay healthy. And the, I think the, that is this month. This is where, the, if you look at the Jazz's schedule, it is a murderer's row. And without Gobert, they're going to lose. So I, I honestly, I think Portland. Re- Regardless, is making the playoffs. That's just my opinion. But I think with all the injuries that have happened in the West, I think Portland's locked at at least at a, at a playoff spot. At least, I would say, barring any major, trades or major, yeah, or major injuries, injuries, yeah. I think Houston, Golden State, San Antonio, Minnesota, Portland, Denver, and OKC are locks. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to. The Pelicans, Jazz, and Clippers, and right now I give a significant advantage to the Pelicans. One, they've got the two best players of any one in the bunch. Two, their stars are relatively healthy right now. And three, I don't trust the Clippers without a point guard. I don't trust the Utah Jazz have enough offense to get it done. And I really look at the Pelicans like the Blazers have been a strong road team. They're 7-9. You look at the Jazz, three and twelve. The Clippers, five and eleven. So, if the playoffs were starting today, there's eight teams in the West. I would be pretty surprised if those eight teams were not the, the teams we see in April. So, for Portland, it's important to know that you likely have a spot if you keep playing up to your capabilities. And I, I think we saw them play pretty. Pretty well on this road trip, with all things considered, coming off of that awful 0-4 homestand. Sage, is there any reason why they are playing so poorly at home, but actually look like a legitimate basketball team on the road? Maybe, I, I don't know, like, I, I talked to Tara earlier today, and, like, you know, blowing she was last on the podcast, she brought up the fact that maybe, like, they get to bond more on the road, but, like, I, I don't get it. Rip City fans are like a top three fan base. They should be winning at home, and they're just not for some reason. I I, I don't know, man. But I, I <laughs> the saving grace is they're pretty damn good away from the 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 Rose Garden. I don't know why. And so we look back at that road trip. Um, started in Golden State, went to went to South Florida, up to North Carolina, over to Minnesota before heading. Didn't back they home. go to? They went to two Floridas, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Golden State was a 111-104 loss. Game was much further out of hand than the final score indicated. Then Portland rattles off three straight victories. 
a 102-95 victory over Miami in an arena they traditionally play well in. Uh, important to note that both big men were out. So yes, Hassan Whiteside was out, but so was Yusuf Nurkic. So I think that was kind of a push for both teams, and Portland Stars really shone, shined brightly there. Uh, then Portland gutted out a 95-88 victory over Orlando, um, and an even uglier victory by two points, 93-91 over the Charlotte Hornets, a game in which Portland led by 16 with nine plus to go in the fourth before surviving against basically one of the worst teams in the league. And then a heartbreaking 108-107 loss against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Sage, that game was the most recent. Let's actually reverse our way back. Let's start with that Timberwolf game. I was actually in Seattle, so I still have it on the DVR. I've seen some highlights, but I was just actually eating sushi with my with my colleagues and was like, dude, can you keep me updated? Like, I see we're doing really well. Like, what's going on? And I think the two big things to, to note from this are Dame was a fucking monster. Oh, he looked po- fantastic, day. 17 points, 13 dimes, you know, eight boards. That's a triple-double alert, man. Almost a triple-dub. And then you've got, you know, Nurk, 20 points on mm-hmm. seven, nine of 12 shooting. I mean, that is that is very impressive. And CJ um, had his moment. I, I think with Memf- Minnesota, excuse me, I think with Minnesota, Everyone contributed when they played. Like Ed Davis got busy. Like he he got an interception off an inbound pass. Uh, got a bunch of Kobe assists. Uh, Zach Collins looked tough. He played well. Like everyone that actually played played well. Like Shabazz did his thing. I mean Evan, uh, you know Evan. Well, you look at the bench and just Ed Davis and Shabazz Napier combined to shoot eleven of fourteen mm-hmm. for twenty five points. That is incredible efficiency. Unfortunately, Portland only gets to the line five, five times, times compared to Minnesota's 21. Uh, Minnesota hit plus 12 at the foul line. The game was won right there. Yes, I have heard Portland turn the ball over down the stretch, but anytime you only get to the line five times and are down 12 points at the line, I feel a certain type of way that you shouldn't have to play perfect to win. Like, I, mm. I, well, I mean, like, and Minnesota was losing, so whenever they got to the line, the clock stopped, and that was their friend. And then, like, when they got two easy points at the free throw line, and we couldn't, you know, get the 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 the, the easy baskets unless Ed Davis rebounded. I mean, like, we are a jump shooting team. The only easy baskets. That are afforded to us are Kobe assists, and uh, I mean we don't really fuck with fast breaks, so going to the line is important. And when you go to there five times, that's a problem. Also, can Jamal Crawford just please fucking retire? I'm tired of this. He dude. looked. He was insane. Absolutely. I'm tired insane. of him being a terrible NBA player at this stage in his career. I mean he's he's been a three time six man award winner, so he has balled out over his course of his career. But he's not had a great mm-hmm. year, and he goes for 23 points on 10 of 16 It would seem shooting. like everything was in the third and fourth, too. And he always murdered us. Uh-huh. So it's just like, can you please just stop, Jamal? Just take these games off, because you hold Andrew Wiggins to 29% shooting and 9 points. Carl Anthony Towns, 16 points on 33% shooting. 
you should win that game. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating because it's the first of four against the Timberwolves and the team we're fighting with for that fourth and fifth seed. And the way things are shaping up, it looks like Houston might want that one seed more than the Warriors. The Warriors probably don't really care. So you want that four or five seed. So you get a Houston in the second round rather than have to play Golden State. So it's the little things like that looking into the future that makes this game a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, when I saw that we lost and I heard that and I saw the replay, Dame definitely got hacked. Oh, I don't yeah, care what but he didn't help the refs. Like, he... A thing that I've noticed with Dame is he's getting stronger every single game. He looks tough. He's not skinny. He looks like a like a well-defined man. So when he gets hit, he adjusts for the, you know, the contact. If it was a different guard like Harden, you know his neck would be flailing, his head would whip back. I think Dame... I, I, I know people don't like it when I... When you compare, like, you should say your star should do what CP and Harden knew, but at least embellish the hit because there, without a doubt, he got hit. Just help the refs a little bit, like yell, do something. I mean, the I'm not mad. Normally, Dame gets lined seven times, and that's you know that's a pretty respectable number. But man, when your superstar shooting guard gets there three times on average, man, there's there's something wrong. And when you see Manu Ginobili, who's forty million years old, get to the line and get draw fouls, it's like, why can't our star player get to the line more? But uh, one one thing I've noticed, especially in the Minnesota game, Nurkic when he plays with like limited minutes and. He went all out for the first five minutes. Like, he goes all out. He dominated the first quarter. The rim runs, the pick and rolls, he established his dominance in that first quarter. You know, in my head, I would think game script, he would play in the in the 30s, the, the, like 32 minutes a game. But when he plays 25, unless it's like a supremely good matchup, he looks so much better in that, like, in the smaller portions of the game. I know, like, you would want your third best player to play a lot, but maybe he's this generation's Rick Smith. Rick Smith. So. Smith? Smith. There you go. There, There's something to say. You know, he's still a young player. He's still very inconsistent, but I thought it was important that Portland was able to win when he was out of the lineup for a couple of reasons. Obviously record being one and you want to be able to stay afloat while your third best player is out but two maybe more down the road how does portland operate if they decide not to match on a contract offer for nurk if he continues this inconsistent play and maybe the team doesn't perform as well down the stretch as we would like how does a zach collins react to getting starts at at the five so there are little things now in December that I think are going to play into decisions that will impact the organization uh, for the long term. And looking at Zach Collins, I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen. Obviously, he needs to shoot the ball better. Over his last five games, he's only shooting 37% from the field and 22% from downtown. And he needs to get stronger. But overall, he's pretty tough. He's not afraid to attack the basket defensively and he's got such long arms. I believe he's got like that nine, three wingspan that he's grabbing a lot of rebounds. So 
over his last five games when he's really started to get playing time, he's averaging 20 minutes, six and a half points, six boards, about a block and an, and an assist per game, and uh, half a steal. And five fouls. So, 3.2 fouls. Oh, really? Damn. It's a, three, three it, it seems like fouls. he fouls a lot. I'm not hating, but it seems like he gets five relatively quick sometimes. No, he did really well against Charlotte in Orlando. He played a combined 34 minutes in those two games and only committed two personal fouls. So he's going to have his moments where it comes in, in just in waves. Mm. And one, he's a big man. Two, he's a rook. You combine those two, and that's just a foul monster. I mean, NBA officials are going to see things, and they're just going to be like, oh, there's that young big. He probably fucked up. Yeah, the young big. In reality, Mm. if if you go back to the, the, and I think I was texting you this over the last road trip, I was like, the last two calls on Zach were bogus. Mm. But it it comes with the territory, and it's something that I'm kind of glad we're, we're seeing more. It looks like he's not just out there to be out there. He's He's earning his keep. Contributing. He's contributing. And a question for you, with Aminu back, um, obviously he's been starting at, at the four with Evan Turner at the three. What? Who is the best fit next to Nurkic? Is it Aminu? Is it Vonley? Is it Ed Davis? Is it Zach Collins? I don't want to give Zach those starts over... and uh, I mean... I don't know how Von Lays, he hasn't been getting as many minutes, but I, I mean, the way Farouk's shooting with like, he's on fire. So might mm-hmm. as well put him at the three and then Von Lay at the four. Then you got Zach and Ed, uh, Bash brothers off the bench. That's what I would do. I like that too. I think Zach and Ed are interchangeable at the four and five. Yeah. And Zach's probably better suited long-term at the four, but I do I do not like Evan Turner playing playing basketball for the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know why he starts. Uh, I Aminu the way he's shooting the ball, you can already tell defenses are not sagging off mm-hmm. him. They are not. You have to pay attention drive. to the guy that's shooting fifty percent from the three. You have to pay attention to the guy who is second in the league in three point shooting, and that we're going to see if he can keep this up. Just how much the lane opens up. The mm-hmm. offense will be spaced out so much better when defenders cannot just commit to stopping Damon CJ because he is now viewed as a legit threat. We've seen in playoff series in past when coaches like Doc Rivers have begged Aminu to beat them. And he was rolling the dice. You're If you do that, you're going to get beat now because he is shooting a legit 50% from downtown. Now the misses may be all over the place but he's making it almost as much yeah so as long as he's hitting it at this man there's no point in having et's play at least start there's no there's no reason can we talk about evan turner though like why is he in the game in the clutch moments like handling the basketball like that is not his strong suit i know people are we talked about him becoming the backup point guard, you know, letting Damon CJ play off the ball, and that was kind of what he was doing in the preseason at FanFest and, you know, to start the season out. I think it's still trying to take a square peg into a brown circle and trying to make that fit. It just feels awkward. It feels forced. I, I don't know what it is, but every time he has the ball in his hands, I'm scared for my life more than I ever have been. Are you more scared of uh, Evan Turner with the ball in his hands or Chief? 
Oh, Evan Turner, hands down. Uh, I mean, that, that should explain, like, if <laughs> if you think, you know, a positive play happens for Aminu, shit, Evan Turner needs to chill. But, I mean, <sighs> do you think Neil L. Shea's talking to Terry, hey, man, we, we gave him 12% of our team, uh, our cap. We, we got it. No, we got to no, play him. No. You know? I don't think so. Mm-mm. So do you think that Terry Stotts believes Evan Turner gives us the best chance at winning games? In Terry's eyes, probably. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and why do you th- is it because of the defense or what? what? I, think, I think if he played average defense, he would not sniff the court. But he is a pretty good defender. He is able to switch off on the perimeter. On offense, if he does have a matchup. A mismatch, he can exploit that. A glaring so I, one, I do, Yes, I do see the value in Evan Turner on the floor. However, in my opinion, everything else that he... That, 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 that when he's on the floor, that happens. It just doesn't make up for what he brings. And, you know, I know he's a funny guy. I know the team likes him and and all of that stuff. But he he's not a spot-up shooter, so he doesn't space the floor. Whenever he does score, it is on essentially uh, a 1-4 spread offensive set where he is just isolated and going to work. So if he misses, there's no chance of getting an offensive rebound, and there's no flow to the offense. And he is not a solid ball handle. He does. He and Nurkic both just throw the ball away, it feels like, every time they touch the ball. Mm-hmm. So, so, go ahead. My question is, where do you think... Evanton ranks on Terry Stott's favorite players. Third? No, Terry loves him some Chief. So Chief's is it longer too. The, the two guards, Chief, then Evanton? Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. So coaches must like him because he tries hard on deep. He tries hard. Or at least it, he tries the hard. illusion he just- of him trying hard, just not effectively I- doing the things. I don't think he purposely makes terrible passes, but at the at the same time, though, you see some of these passes, and you're like, "What is kind of going through your mind at, at that point in time?" Um, I just I just wish he was a little bit better at, at the three, so he wouldn't be relied upon to shoot the ball, or excuse me, to handle the basketball as much as he does. I don't feel comfortable with him initiating the offense. Um, I just see way too many turnovers for a team that has lost so many games this year by giving the ball away. And I think everyone is kind of to blame here. But if I'm thinking of people that have stood out negatively with turning the ball over, especially in crunch time situations, you're looking at CJ Nurk and Evan Turner. Yep, and yep, yep. Nurk provides the interior defense and the scoring. CJ is one of the best shooters in the league. So, yeah, their, their mistakes are not outweighed by their their values by their positive attributions what they bring onto the table you know you can look you can look off some of those turnovers and say that's okay you do other stuff on the court mm-hmm. that, that we need you Evan Turner's defense is nice but I think Mo Harkless could play similar defense Alfred Rubini plays better defense and I think it's just better to have Noah Vonley on the court so you're having like you said that Aminu at three and Vonley at four that I think is our our, our best defensive defensive lineup so and probably your most talented lineup yeah exactly you know i get turner's been been vital in playing defense and but it just feels like 
he giveth and he taketh away. Like, <laughs> yeah, he'll do something yeah, yeah. awesome on defense, but then you're just like, ooh, how did you miss that wide-open 10-foot jump shot? Well, when Evan Turner was most relied on to like play good defense, Chief wasn't there. Now that Chief's back, our reliance on his and Evan Turner's ability to defend is lessened a lot because the best defensive player on the team's back. So we should, you know, reel in those minutes a little bit. <laughs> of the three wins we had, I think they were all against the Atlantic Division, or Southeast Division, excuse me, uh, Miami, Orlando, and Charlotte. Of those three wins, what was the best one, in your opinion? They don't really stand, like, the a win is a win. I don't, I don't remember if any of them were particularly good. Do you, do you have a different opinion? I don't even, like, I just, I just remember moments and I remember, you know, thank God we won against the the Hornets. They made a late push. The heat were, shit, I don't even remember, but like, none of them stood out out to to me be like ridiculously good. But maybe I'm wrong. I got to review it. Obviously, all of the East Coast games start pretty early between 4 and 4.30. You know, I'll get home by 5.15, from work. So, you know, I've got the game recorded so I can watch the beginning. But I always pick it up right when I get home. You know, I'm following along on my app, mm. you know, Twitter, seeing what's going on. You know, Portland down by 12, you know, in, in the first, after the first quarter. Um, down by 10 at the half. And... You Wait, could, didn't we work hard like, in Miami because Wayne Ellington and Josh Richardson were hitting? Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. This All Miami right, game, like, All right. we were down by 10, but the, the players were like, it feels like we're down 20 and we're only down 10. So that kind of got them in the mindset. We kind of played to a standstill at the third quarter, but Portland killed Miami in the fourth. They outscored the Heat 32-16 to 16 and ended up, turning a nine-point deficit into a seven-point victory in 12 minutes. And, you know, CJ and Dame just really decided to take over, especially especially, uh, Dame. So those two just, it's hard to say. Like, when we needed them the most, they were there. And they didn't play a particularly beautiful game. Like Dame only had eighteen, I think CJ had twenty-five. So you get forty-three points out of your, you know, your top five backcourt in the league. And you know, we were without Nurkic, they were without Hassan Whiteside. But I think Portland again, they went to that three-guard lineup with with Dame, CJ, and Napier, and it just seemed to make all the difference. I remember Ed Davis having a particularly, I butchered that 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 word. I'm very sorry. It's super late at night. I'm not um, changing it either. You better you say particularly. You just said it for me. Ed Davis and Chabaz <laughs> again. I feel like when those two guys play well off the bench, we win. Ed Davis, 4 of 6, 11 points, 5 boards, 1 block, or 1 steal. Shabazz Napier, 4 of 7, you know, 9 points. Um, a combined plus 20. They play about 25 minutes on average, and it was... I think it was the three guard lineup, Chief and Ed. So we went small, and we just we just equipped them. Um, Chief was five of eight from downtown, fifteen points, thirteen boards. 
Like, he is becoming a player that I didn't even know existed. Like, I, I thought we saw his potential kind of peaked in that playoff series against the, the Clippers and Warriors. He's a much better player now than, than he was then. I think he's much more controlled. He doesn't try to dribble too much. He's obviously a better shooter. Um, I'm glad we have him under contract for this season and next because I would be really scared if he was an unrestricted free agent. Because it, he is, I, I don't want to say he's not the heart and soul of our team, but I just feel like when he plays well, he gives us something that no other player on this team can even come close to replicating. And I think he is that 3 and D player that we've, we covet like nearly every week on this podcast. So, assuming that the Blazers don't make any changes, who are, you know, playoff rotations get smaller. Players play more. Who is our eight-man rotation or our seven-man rotation? I don't think it'll ever go... I think a nine-man rotation is safe. Because right now, we're playing about... We look at um, the Minnesota game, for example. There was nine men playing. Um, Noah Vonley did not get any run. Maurice Harkos did not get any run. Um, I, I think a nine-man rotation Even is, in the playoffs, though? When Dame yeah, and CJ even, and Nurk will probably play more? I mean, they already are playing 37 a night. Nurk isn't. He's playing like no, 25 but, to 30. Dame and, C- yeah. Dame and CJ are. I'm I'm guessing so that I'm saying, the big rotation will right, be smaller. Right now, though, we have too many probably good players. If there is no consolidation trade, I, I don't think you can just say, oh, we're going to play eight guys because the drop-off is from guy eight to nine. Mm. I don't think that's smart on Terry's part, especially if you want to keep playing intense defense, you know, all out. Um playing every position like it's your last you got to rotate bodies in there so i'm going to say there's a nine-man rotation and if we're looking at that i think damon cj and nurkic obviously in there mm-hmm. bazzy i think evan turner unfortunately is in there i think chief is definitely in there so there's our five ed davis if we keep him is in there there's six and then i think it becomes very difficult to figure out the remaining three. Yeah, I mean, that, that's it, it gets tough, man. To me, Noah Vonley and Shabazz Napier... Should be it. Hands down should be in there. Mm-hmm. So that that would be eight. And then I think Pat Connaughton's played well enough this year to deserve... To see if he's hot that day. Yep, absolutely. One of those. I mean, I think yeah. he cuts, he moves without the basketball, he's not afraid to go after rebounds, um... I would definitely get him in there. What's been shocking to me is seeing Maurice Harkless completely DMP, removed from son. the the rotation, yeah. and I don't blame Terry. No, but he at hasn't the same really. Time, it's, yeah, he hasn't really at the same shown time, anything. It, it's also kind of obnoxious seeing Evan Turner get thirty seven minutes, five points, six rebounds. Like that's Dante I, I Cunningham get, Hall of Fame numbers right there. Like, I get Evan Turner's a better basketball player than Maurice Harkless is right now, but not 37 more minutes better. Like, <laughs> I think Noah Vonley should have got some of those minutes. Pat Connaughton should have got more minutes. Quite frankly, Shabazz Napier should have gotten more minutes last night. So, I think Terry needs to start spreading the wealth. Like, don't play favorites. Like, 
obviously I know I'm not the biggest Evan Turner fan, but when you've got other players who are producing, give them, I don't care if one player makes $10, the other player makes $10 million. Put the dude in there who's going to get it done. So, I, I mean, I think in the playoffs, I think you're the the the, the five plus Bazzy and uh, Ed, and I think if Pat's hidden, sure he he can play. But if he's having an off game, it's the it's those six that are going to be playing the majority of the minutes when it matters. Unfortunately, because I, I I mean Evan Turner, I hope we get a small forward, but I don't think we will. I, do you think there's going to be a trade, or is this the team we see in the playoffs? That is such a hard question because I don't know what Portland's future intentions are with Ed Davis. I don't know what he's going to command on the open market. I know he's one of the best backup bigs Mm -hmm. in the game, especially he's super efficient. He's a great offensive rebounder, great teammate. But with Portland being so average, and I say that in the most loving way possible, (laughs) we we, we are essentially a 50-50 team. Yeah. And with us being so close to the luxury tax, you know, the summer of 2016 really backed us into a corner. It's it's difficult to see Ed Davis as a future part of this team, no matter how much I want to see it. And you factor in Caleb Swanigan, Zach Collins, and Noah Vonley, all are under the age of, of 23 at that same power forward position. So it's not like there isn't a lack of talent there. But at the same time, if we're hovering around this four and five spot, it's going to be a hard sell for Neil O'Shea to tell his team, hey, I moved Ed Davis for a draft pick to mm. get some value. So he may just ride out with Ed and say, you know, Ed, I don't know what our future plans hold, but you're playing well enough right now. We really want to get the best seed possible. This makes sense to win right now. So long story short, if we are hovering around the fifth seed, I don't think they make changes unless it's using that trade yeah. exception to add talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless they can find a taker for like Mo Harkos who's not contributing, I just don't think they're going to trade players who are contributing right now. Yeah, uh, that's where I'm at. Unless we find someone for the TPE, which I think we could, I, I think this is the team that's going to be our be the team that we see, you know, and you know, in the playoffs. You know, so it, it's it's crazy that. You know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about, like, losing games that we should win, but, like, now it's, like, with the circumstances that are surrounding this year, something crazy has to happen that we don't make the playoffs. And I think Portland needs to be very aware of the fact that they do not want to slack and lose games that they should be winning and end up 7th or 8th because it's not going to be like making the playoffs at all because you're going to be 4 and out. And nobody wants that. I mean, I think almost all of Rip City would rather be in the lottery than get swept again in the playoffs. We all experienced that last year. It wasn't fun for even a second. And Portland has to look at Oklahoma City that who knows what they do, but they are starting to win games and they could creep up. Um, Denver has had injury concerns and has been a home dominant team, but they haven't been able to figure it out on the road. And then you've also got the Pelicans, who've got the most talented front court in, in the business. So, just because you're fifth now, you're only up by a game and a half from eighth. So the margin of error is very, very slim, and they need to continue to take care of games. And as we look, Sage, into the upcoming slate of games, 
We've got three before they have a nice holiday break. So let's take a quick commercial break from our wonderful sponsors, and then we'll dive into this week's slate of games. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard podcast, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's writing app finds and corrects hundreds of complex writing errors, so you don't have to. Copy and paste any English text into Grammarly's online text editor, or install Grammarly's free browser extension for and I've had problems expressing myself through writing a lot, so I'm excited to use Grammarly. To download Grammarly for free, go to getgrammarly.com slash holybackboard. That's getgrammarly.com, G-E-T-G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash holybackboard. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here talking about Blazers going up against the Spurs and Nuggets at home, and then a back-to-back in Los Angeles against the the up-and-down Los Angeles Lakers. So Portland obviously is on a four-game losing streak at home. They are 7-8 and eight in the City of Roses, and I don't know if the Spurs are the team that you want to be facing to try and break a losing streak at home. And coming off of a road trip, we have said this to death, but the first game back from a road trip is essentially a road trip sage the the spurs are just like robots they are a well-oiled machine but they've been pretty average on the road just six and eight they are dominant at at home in san antonio 15 and two but they have Kawhi leonard back who i think is a top three player when he's healthy um it's always going to be an emotional game when when lamarcus actually 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 Kawhi leonard is out tony parker is out for blazers game Kawhi is out. In uh, according to the Spurs Twitter, Kyle Anderson and Danny Green are both probable for tomorrow's game. Kawhi Leonard returned from injury management, and Tony Parker returned from injury management are both out. According to the San Antonio Spurs Twitter, that is verified. So that means. So first of all, how lucky has Portland been this year <laughs> day with to star play players, yeah. teams without their stars? I mean, we've got. Um, the Magic were without Fournier. The Heat were without Hassan Whiteside. The Warriors were without uh, Draymond and Steph. The Wizards were without John Wall. The Pelicans were without Anthony Davis. The um, and we just keep going. The Memphis Grizzlies obviously without Mike Conley, and it just we have been dealt a very favorable hand. So like it looks like it's going to be dealt to us again. I honestly would rather see Kawhi Leonard play. I think our team plays best when they are challenged by a quality foe. I think they get up for it. They're not at the level mentally that the Spurs are when they could see the Washington Generals or the Washington Wizards and they would treat them exactly the same. They would just have that killer win the day instinct and it's just like instilled in them. So I'm actually a little bit more concerned that Kawhi is not playing so and I would want to say, oh shit! I want to see Kawhi Leonard play. Talk, talk me out of this age. Tell me the Blazers are going to win this game and why they will. The Lamarcus Aldridge hate uh, fest. I don't. <laughs> normally, I can maybe bullshit my way through it, but I, I, the Spurs are so well coached, man. Even if. Danny Green and fucking Kyle Anderson are hurt. They still have players that will f- 
do what Popovich wants. And I mean, Rudy Gay's playing well. Lamarcus is doing really well. Players are stepping up. It that team's a well-oiled machine that's full of robots, man. So you're saying there's no way we win? This no, game? I think there's a way we win this game, but it, I would so bet tell against me that it. Way. Tell me that way. I think Dame and CJ have to establish their dominance over uh, Murray Patty and Mills. Patty Mills and uh, shit. Brandon Paul or whoever else they throw out at Brent us. Forbes. Yeah. I think the guards have to be transcendent for us to win. And I then, disagree. Really? The way Portland wins this game is Yusuf Nurkic owning that paint. He can score against LaMarcus Aldridge. He can score against Pau Gasol. He does well against bigs that do not like physicality. We've seen him dominate guys like like Jokic and struggle against guys like Cousins and Mark Gasol. But if he comes out like he did against Minnesota and we feed him the ball and he can get going, that's going to open up everything. Obviously, Dame and CJ will will have theirs. And I think Dame's going to have a particularly... God, I'm just butchering that word. An amazing game. Um, <laughs> Normally, I'm the, the one who can't pronounce shit. I know. You're fucking up, man. Especially dishing the ball. He had thir- I think he's had a combined 24 assists. He was dishing in that Minnesota game, bro. So look for him to start the game finding his teammates. And if he can get Chief and CJ and Nurt going, I just think they're tired of losing at home. I, I think that that fourth and final loss was just kind of like, Okay, we can't we can't do this. We need to bring our focus. I think they're going to be pissed off after losing a game they really should have won in Minnesota. And I honestly just find it unfathomable that they would lose five straight at home. I wish Kawhi was playing because I would actually like our chances a little bit better. But if we can score over 100 points... I feel like the game should be ours because without Kawhi, without Tony Parker, mm. you've got to bang and, up Danny Green. And they play slow. Spurs play slow. They play slow, and they really only average 101.5 a game. So I feel like if we can hit that century mark, get the crowd going. I mean, it's it's the Wednesday of, of you know the Christmas week. We all should be in good spirits. I think it's time to break that losing streak at home. And this is also a game where Portland's trying to catch the Spurs. So I like Portland. I think my X factor is going to be points in the paint with Nurkic, um, assists to turnover ratio, Dame leading the assist. Portland has got to commit less than 13 turnovers. They cannot turn the ball over more than 13 times. I've just, I've seen them lose games just, and maybe it's not even necessarily the amount it's and. The way they do mm. it, just they cannot have those possessions where they turn it over four straight yeah, times. Yeah, the devastating like those trio of turns and, and those runs. Mm. It just seems like it snowballs on them. And then lastly, it's going to be important to see how Portland defends Lamarcus Aldridge. I know Portland goes small with Aminu, but I would start Vonley on him. Mm. I think Vonley is going to do an amazing job. He's our, easily our best uh, post defender, and he's who I would would sick on. On LA, so I think Portland wins. And then those you are, put Aminu on Rudy Gay, who's playing well. Yes, I mean definitely on Rudy Gay. Um, I think Portland wins if they do those things. Um, you say loss? Yeah, I say loss. I mean, it's it's pop, man. If it was any other coach, I would probably say Blazers probably win. But I mean that that dude's 
fucking smart. That team's smart. Next next up are the Denver Nuggets for their second and final trip to the Rose City. If you all remember back on November 13th, Portland easily held the Denver Nuggets in check by, I think to this day, still their best performance of the year. A 99-82 victory over their Northwest Division rivals, a game in which Nurkic completely Mm -hmm. outshined, outclassed, outworked his former big uh, Nikola Jokic. Nurk had 17 points, five boards, and Jokic was held to just six points. It was Paul Millsap on that, playing that game? Paul Paul Millsap played. So he's out now. Yeah, he took 16 shots. Only uh, 18 points came out of that. So uh, Jamal Murray was a shot monster that game as well. 18 18 points on 19 FGAs. So I think Portland always shows up to play Denver for a reason, especially in Portland. Yeah. I mean, we had that game last year to basically cement our playoff positioning. Mm. And then we handled them in November. No, I, I, what are your thoughts? I, I think because of the rivalry that we have, we won't overlook this team, even though, you know, arguably their second best player is out. Uh, Nurkic always will get up for these games. Uh, I haven't really seen them. Well, actually, I, I haven't seen what this team looks like now with Joker actually playing. Uh, I watched them quite a bit when Joker and uh, Millsap were out. They're still dealing with injuries, Millsap. I think Wilson Chandler's still hurt. Uh, they're giving people that, you know, they should give run to. Like, uh, I know Trey Lyles is part of the rotation now. I know Ken Freed is essentially out of the rotation right now. It's it's Mace and Trey Lyles being the backup to uh, the backup fours. It, it's an interesting player to watch, though. The player to watch is Will the Thrill. Uh, absolutely, Barton. I think it's Will and uh, Gary Harris. Because Will Barton had that game winner. Um, He's a bad motherfucker. He, I don't know who it was against. He had the game winner at home in the Mile High City. He had a stretch recently where he had six out of seven games. He had fifteen plus points. I think you he were referencing the New Orleans game where he just. Did work. Was that the game yeah. where? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he had nineteen against Nola. Uh, he had a thirty-seven point outburst on November thirtieth against Chicago. Uh, he's a guy who is high energy, a little high variance, but he's like Aminu. He's been able to control that. Chaos yeah, he's way he's- more controlled now, and he's taking and making threes at a pretty respectable level now. Um, so, I think, you know, Will is also a player who's probably coming off one of his worst performances of the season. Against the Thunder, he was 2 of 15, including 0 of 8 from 3. So, he's definitely a player who you don't know what you're going to get, but it is so important that Portland does not commit turnovers, allowing him to run in the open court, getting those easy fast break points, getting any easy layups or foul shots, because if, as soon as he's the type of guy that he sees the ball going once. It doesn't matter where it is. He's going to know that the next shots he's taking mm. are going to go in. Like, he's he's got that, that defensive back mentality. Yeah, where he's got that short memory. He's just ultra confident. 
And you have to have that swagger. And he Terrell's got that swagger. So he's my X factor. I think Portland obviously has to have Nurkic continue to dominate that individual mm. matchup. But like you said, Portland's guards have to have they have to outperform Will uh, Jamal Murray and like you mentioned Gary Harris. I, I, I think Harris is very dangerous in another way. I think uh, Barton's a lot of hype variance, but he's creative and you know can get to the basket in a lot of ways. I think with Gary Harris, he's less creative, but the way he cuts, the way he moves without the ball is scary. And especially with us, man, we have to be on top of our rotations game, and that scares me, but just because of Denver... I think we win this game because we don't we don't want to give them like that that confidence boost. So I I think we win this game. Yeah, I got Portland not only because of Nurkic, but you know we've talked about Denver ever since they let Jameer Nelson go in favor of Richard Jefferson. Dumb move. They do not have they do not have a traditional floor general that's going to get the guy the ball in the proper situation. So I just think Dame and Dame is going to be able to control the tempo of this game, and I think that's going to be extremely key. And if we're looking for a guy off the bench to make a a difference, it's got to be Ed Davis. With Paul Millsap out of the rotation uh, because he's injured, if Reed's out of the rotation, um, my money, Ed Davis versus Mason Plumlee, Ed's getting that rebound every single time. And Trey Lyles. I think we have to be... One of the things that scares me is Blazer's lack of willingness to defend that pick and pop. Dude's been hitting from three. We gotta we gotta stay on him. But I think this is one of those games we look focused as fuck and look like that that three seed. So uh, we get this one. I like the Blazers to win that as well. And then the last game of the week is a back to back on the twenty third in Los Angeles against the Lakers. A Lakers team that, frankly, has competed mm-hmm. extremely well against the Golden State Warriors, but also looked really terrible against the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah, is this so, in Los Angeles? It's in Los Angeles. Oh, because so KCP plays. Yeah, because of so his legal Portland shit. Actually, has like a fourteen-game winning streak over the Lakers. So. It's been a long time since L.A. has beat us, and Brooke Lopez being out is huge because if we remember, he had a significantly uh, dominant game. Like, he and Nurk went back and forth, and that game um, where Dame eventually hit hit the game winner, Portland jumped out to a, a sizable advantage. I think we were at 14 in the second quarter before our defense just completely collapsed, and we were giving them anything they wanted in, in the painted area. So it's going to be important for Portland to really, one, it's a back-to-back, two, it's a road game, but three, it's the beginning of a five-day layoff right after that, and there's the holidays coming up. So this is going to be a game where you're really going to look at the Blazers and say, okay, they may be a legit team in the Western Conference. They could be a three, a four seed, or you're going to look at it and be like, nope, same Blazers. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Probably going to win 41 games and with the six or seven seed. Um, if you're playing them, in the first, you don't need to worry about them. And I know that's a lot to put on one game, but 
those mental things like back-to-backs on the road and breaks coming up, those are something that the great teams are able to just shut from their mind and go out and just attack the duty at hand. <laughs> it's a duty. Um, yeah, I, we should win this game. You think we should beat the Lakers in L.A.? Yeah. To me, this is the hardest game of the week. Really? Absolutely. I just I just trust trust Dame. I think that Aminu is perfectly designed to stop Brandon Ingram. I think Dame will take that Lonzo Ball challenge and, you know, play him real tough. I think yeah, I think I think this is a Blazers victory. So I think this game is going to come down to bench points. Obviously, Dame, the Lakers, I believe he is a top two performer against the Lakers in career average against against all teams. He always shows up um, against Lakers, as evidenced by the game-winning three back on, I think it was November 5th. The game will be won, I think, on the bench. You look at Kyle Kuzma, who in many any other year would it be the runaway rookie of the year. He had 22 points on 10 of 17 shooting last game against Portland. You look at Jordan Clarkson, who is a candidate for sixth man of the year. He had 14 points on, you know, six of nine shooting. Then you've got Julius Randle, who had eight points, six boards, only missed two shots. So their bench was extremely effective against Portland's. And our guys, like a Pat Connaughton and Ed Davis, a Shabazz Napier, they're going to have to match that scoring output because the Lakers still, in their starting lineup, they do have a guy like KCP who can go for 20. They do have an Ingram who, yes, I know he is feast or famine, but when he's looked good, he's looked like that number two overall pick. So there's just such a lot of moving parts and a lot of assumptions to be made about this game. Who's stopping Nurk, though? Again, that is a a very valid point. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons why I do like Portland to win this game, mainly because I'm not going to pick the Lakers to beat the Blazers ever. (laughs) Fuck that. It's it's always beat LA. So I do have the Blazers winning. I think this actually could be, if we're looking for Nurk to take that next. This is a Nurk game. This has to be a Nurk week. You've got Pau Gasol. Jokic, and then who's starting at center for the Lakers? The LA Lakers started... Oh, Brooke Lopez got hurt that game, so I have no idea. Mm. And Zubak didn't play at all. Did they just go small? It looks like it. Yeah, Kuz got 40 minutes. Yep, so if they go small, like putting a Julius Randle down there, or Larry Nance. Larry Nance Nurk. is a good defender, but not not for that matchup. Not for a second, no. no. <laughs> so, I think a couple of things have to happen for Portland to win this game. We have to dominate points in the paint. We cannot be that, that sieve on defense that we were November 5th. Uh, Nurk has to have a big game. And then the fast break points, the showtime plays, have to be limited. For all the grief that Lonzo gets, that's still his bread and butter is making others around him better and pushing the tempo and getting getting really the fans out of their seats. So if we can limit those oohs and ahs and make those 
oohs and ahs and jaw-dropping plays coming from the, the, the Trailblazers, Portland's going to have a good time. So I really think if Portland could win, not even win, if they could neutralize the bench and Yurt can do his thing, I like us going 3-0 in the week and having you know, a Merry Christmas as we basically head into to 2018. So you have Blazers? I have a 2-1 in one week. But you have Blazers? Yeah. Who was the X factor for you in the Laker game? I mean, I think I think it has to be Nurk just establishing dominance over question mark defender. I mean, right, it's just safe. such a glaring like this is an obvious mismatch for us. I think that about wraps it up. Thank you to all of our listeners for. For listening to our podcast, you know, if you want to uh, subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX. Uh, give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Uh, we're also on social media at Holy Backboard on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sage, any final comments before my MacBook runs out of battery? I think either today or Friday, I will be doing my... Uh, blazers gm stream where i uh become the gm of the blazers at the beginning of the off season make the draft myself do the free agency thing and then play about five games to see if i'm a good gm and can build a fun team check it out on mixer.com slash to sage 504 other than that you know go blazers go blazers happy holidays merry christmas and, as always, beat L.A. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go!